Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. I trust you've been tuning in every week at the same time to watch. We've been sharing, uh, especially we started last week with a guest on the program, and uh, it's my oldest son, uh, Jeremy, who pastors a great church in Winchester, Virginia. That's in the northern Virginia area. That's kind of north and then to the west a little bit. Uh, if you are in that area, you owe to yourself to go by and be in one of their meetings when they resume meeting together. Again, we are filming this towards the end of the stay-at-home order, so that I'm certain by the time they air these that we will probably be back to some kind of normal, I hope. And uh, we just want to say, though, that if you missed last week, what we did was we were talking about the words in red. Jeremy's been doing a series on the words in red that Jesus did. It's good to have you on the program, by the way. Yeah. So, but uh, and, and, and the powerful thought that he had has been so unique is that everything that Jesus said uh, in the words in red are, are, are sometimes directed to a certain audience. Mm -hmm. Audience relevance and what covenant you are in has great, great value in being able to rightly divide the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth doesn't mean you can dissect Greek and Hebrew. Yeah. It means you understand what is, what is truth in relationship to the Old Covenant and what is true in relationship to the New Covenant. And uh, while Jesus was, uh, was introducing the New Covenant, He was made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Part of our redemption I don't know if you know this or not, but part of our redemption is not just a redemption from sin. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. And uh, if you miss that program and you'd like to go back and listen to any, matter of fact, any of them that we have aired, uh, you can do that by going to our website and it will take you directly to our YouTube channel. And uh, we air, or we archive everything we air up to uh, YouTube. Also, there is a audio feed on your RSS device for Android, and a podcast there that you can click on, absolutely free, and catch up to what we're saying or anything that we've aired to date. Our our internet audience is truly growing. We encourage you to be a part of that. But that was that's the subject matter that we're going to pursue again. Last week, Jesus, uh, Jeremy was talking about how the disciples were on the ship and they were toiling and they'd rowed all night and Jesus told them to launch out into the deep and cast their, ship, uh, their nets to, and they brought in a great drought of fish. And we talked about how they had toiled and rowed and how that really relates to an old covenant paradigm mm -hmm. is that we're toiling and rowing and a whole lot of stuff that hasn't worked. And maybe sometimes we're using the wrong bait. And we ended last week by talking about how I think we need to represent, represent, represent Christ. And there's a whole new audience watching as we've had to take the churches, left the buildings, uh, you know, more live Facebook things. And of course, you can flip through if you have a very big uh, following on Facebook. You can see every kind of thought pattern you can imagine. Yeah. But in the midst of it, there's some good news. Absolutely. And I think while people are hearing bad news, it's good to hear some good news. Yep. And the good news really is 
good news. And I think we're representing the gospel in a way that's becoming more and more appealing to people. You know, I was I did a live Zoom the other night with a pastor, a friend of mine has a really, really big church, and we, he asked me some things about his church and what I thought about it, and I said, well, I think that the thing that really stands outstanding is the culture of the church. Mm-hmm. Happy are thy servants. Yep. Happy are the people. They're not serving because they have to. They're not serving because they're afraid. They're not coming and giving because they're under threat of curse. They've really found a joy in their relationship. And you said this last week, and then I'm going to let you have it here in just a moment, but uh, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, God really wanted to continue with them with the Abrahamic covenant, which only required faith. It was a one-sided covenant. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. Multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. That was your seed's going to bless the nations of the earth. But the people forfeited that kind of a covenant and a personal relationship with God for a mediator system. And I I believe this to be so true because it's really stuck out to me out of Galatians in the last probably two years. The Scripture says that the law was added because of a transgression. And while I believe that, uh, you know, that transgression included Adam's transgression, the transgression that really caused the law to come on was when the people forfeited a personal relationship with God and said to Moses, we're afraid of him, you go talk to him. And whatever he says to you, we'll do it. Because God wanted to make a whole nation of priests out of them. But when they forfeited that relationship, then they had to have rules. And then they had to have a mediator. And then this Levitical priesthood became a a go-between between God and man. But in the New Covenant, Peter talks about the restoration of the priesthood of the believer when he said, you're a chosen generation, you're a royal priesthood. God wants to bring us back in relationship with Him. And I think that people are seeing a different view of God than they've ever seen before, and it's becoming much more appealing. It doesn't have all the rolling. It doesn't have all the tolling. And so all the stuff that you're talking about in these words in red have a lot to do with the contrast of old and new covenant. So, Jumpy, you've got some powerful things you've been sharing. I appreciate it. Well, we, you know, too, you know, like I said, I've, I've... I said last time we were together is that, you know, we have, I've grown up in church and I've heard the cliche all the time of we have to live by the words in red. And so I decided to just to, while we've been on lockdown and and having to just do some stuff on Facebook Live and different things like that, to just begin to teach what are the words in red and begin to show the context, the audience relevance, and, you know, who Jesus was talking to and why he would say certain things. Because I said before, uh, if you just, if you try to live by the words in red, but you do not understand why Jesus said certain things, it can become confusing yep. and somewhat damaging. Uh, and a real easy one, because we talked about Luke 5 last week, and uh, we'll, you know, probably get back into that again today. But uh, we, after they get out of the boat and they brought the fish in, Jesus says to Peter, from now on you will catch men. Now, another scripture says, I'll make you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Yep. And we've used that cliche in church of, you know, follow we will follow Christ and be fishers of men. And I understand the concepts of what that is. But if you go just a little bit further down in Matthew five, he comes to Levi, who's a publican, and he just simply says to him, Follow me. Is that Matthew 5 or Luke 5? Or Luke 5, I'm sorry, I'm Luke 5. Uh, just a little further down in Luke 5, he says to a man named Levi, who's a publican, he says, you follow me, just follow me. Yep. And he gets up and he, he forsakes all yep. and begins to follow Jesus. Matter of fact, brings him into his house and throws him a big feast. He doesn't tell Levi, you know, follow me, I'll make you a fisherman. 
because I don't think he was a, that wasn't, he wasn't his, a fisherman. He wasn't a fisherman, you know. And I think again, you know, sometimes we have made things in the cliches, not realizing that Jesus wasn't the reason Jesus said that to Peter, James, and John is because they were fishermen. That was what they did. That was what they understood. Yeah. That was maybe even their passion or what was their, yeah. you know, what, what made their eyes light up kind of yeah. thing. But he wouldn't say, he didn't say that to every one of his disciples. He said that to them because they understood what it was to be a fisherman. To uh, another, one of the other disciples, he says, you know, um, I saw you set. I saw saw you sitting under the. Uh, I think it was the palm tree or whatever, fig tree, the yeah. fig tree. Mm-hmm. And he goes, marvel that you know. Don't don't marvel just because I said that. You're going to see greater things than that. And that dude follows him. Uh, so there was different, you know. And I think, but again, to me, what that speaks to again, you have we have cliched sometimes the words in red to not include the passions of people. Yeah. You know, in other words, that when you say to somebody that's a fisherman and loves to fish, and we know a lot of guys, I mean, they love to fish, you know, yeah. and, and they live for that. You know, if you said to them, you know, uh, to them, that resonates. Come to me, I'll make yeah. you a fisherman. They're thinking of their tackle box. They're thinking of their pole. They're thinking of how they, you know, their boat, how they get out there, and all the things that, you know, includes, because that resonates with them. But somebody else that don't like fishing, you know, maybe they like maybe uh, they yeah, like. Yeah, I don't video- want to be a fisherman. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe they like video games, or maybe they like you. Know, they have you know uh, different types of music or whatever. That that might be their passion. Becoming a fisherman doesn't doesn't ring their bell. And I think again, we've made the words in red cliche. We don't understand the context, and we've tried to make everybody into this mold. And that wasn't the passion of Jesus. Matter of fact, the reason why he chose these guys is because they were not part of the the normal religious system of that time. Yeah, they were not the guys that you know, as Jesus being were perpetuating a perpetuating the same old stuff. Yeah, and even as a rabbi, was not Jesus as a rabbi. Yeah, these were these were basically the dropouts. Yeah, they didn't make it. They didn't in make the school. The they didn't make it into school of of rabbinical school. Yeah, you know, they were they were the failures, and they went about their father's businesses yeah. or, or their own businesses or whatever they did. Uh, uh, Levi, being a publican, I mean, this dude is not liked by his fellow Jews. Yeah. Matter of fact, he's seen as an outcast, as a betrayer. You know, he's he's eaten with. Uh, you know, he's he's made himself unclean because he's down with the Gentiles. Yeah. Uh, and but here, so Jesus is not choosing your normal guys, he's choosing these people because they do not fit into the normal mode. And he's trying to show, again, God came to preach the gospel to the poor. He's he's preaching to those that uh, sometimes were uh, outcasts, the ones that he's trying to bring them into a rest. Uh, because this old covenant system has kind of rejected them and left them out and they probably had a they probably had a heart for God. I guarantee you these guys probably went up at feast times, gave their yep. sacrifices, gave oh, their yeah. offerings, you know, yep. made their pilgrimages on, on the times they needed to and did uh, did things the best they could according to that law, but probably in their mind they already knew I'm not a priest and I'm a failure. I know when it comes time, I'm going to have to take my lamb or whatever it is I have as my sacrifice, and I'm going to have to take that up, and I'm going to have to do that because I'm not making it. Yeah. And that's my only hope is to get to the sacrifice to to, to at least get God's covering of forgiveness for that, you yeah. know. And so, but Jesus begins to bring these guys together, and He begins to show them something else that begins to really just revolutionize these guys' hearts. I think for the first time. They started, there was something about, they recognized Jesus for one as the Messiah. Yeah. 
they reckon because I mean they were going to tell their brothers like we have found yeah we have found him yeah that, that the scriptures talk about that we we found that he, this is no doubt the Messiah yeah they recognized him as that and then even in their mind probably not fully grasping what that meant again yeah. because Jesus would tell them plainly many times I'm going to go up to Jerusalem I'm going to be betrayed they're going to crucify me but don't worry in three days I'm going to get back up. And after it happens, they go. They still don't. Jesus told them plainly what's going to happen. Yeah. After it happens, they're still distraught. Peter and them go back to fishing. Everybody's going back. They're all distraught. They're yeah. all in fear. And then Jesus shows up three days later, and they're all still surprised. I mean, even the Thomas is like, I ain't going to believe it until I can touch it, you know, and I can see it for myself, you know. And so even Jesus times Jesus was plain in what was going to happen. Their mindset, again, was a Jewish mindset, an Old Covenant mindset that was still, well, this isn't how we thought it was going to happen, or this might not be how preachers have pro preached it to me. This is not how I, you know, we have perceived it to be, yet here it is, yep. you know, and as we've talked, even in this, this climate of change that's happening with the pandemic and, and lockdown, I think that as things begin to open up, I think a lot of preachers are going to be faced with something that is... Uh, this isn't how we thought it was going to be, or this is different, you yeah. know, and now we've got to handle how that is. I mean, you think about after the resurrection with these guys, even after they received the Holy Spirit, they began to leave their their culture yeah. was this old covenant culture. Yeah. And that culture rejected Jesus. Matter of fact, they crucified him because they thought he was blaspheming, he was, uh, you know, uh, not who he said he was, they hated him, and yeah. so much so they crucified him, and yet here's these guys in the midst of a culture that rejected their Messiah, Yeah, begins to preach that Jesus, no doubt, is our Savior, he was the one, yeah. and you you know, and, and, and this culture that we have embraced and think is going to last forever because we think we're keeping all the rules, this thing's about to come to an end. And God's about to do something different. And these guys were having to deal with, uh, I mean, these guys were being thrown in prison. They were being stoned. Yep. They were being killed for that message. Uh, you it, know. it had to be a drastic shift from their tradition. Yep. Because it's like yesterday, like you said, you had to go be circumcised. Yesterday you had to take a lamb. Yep. Today you don't have to do that anymore. Yep. You know, one of the things that I was putting a great emphasis on before we came off the road with this pandemic yep. hit all of a sudden was uh, as a text out of Deuteronomy, is for the land whither thou goest in possess is not like the land of Egypt that you came out of. And my main thought of that, the title of that message was where we're headed doesn't look like where you came from. Matter of fact, I have a whole CD series on that on my website that you can order. We just listed it. Uh, but where we're headed don't look like where we came from. I don't know that I really knew what I was saying at yep. that moment. And even when I said in the year 2020 that this would be a folk refocusing of vision, 2020 vision, had no idea. You know, sometimes when you're prophesying or you're speaking prophetically, yeah. you don't really even know what that means. And so there was a, a massive cultural shift in difference. Yep. Go ahead. I don't want and to take even it. In this, uh, so the, in this context of even Luke 5, Again, I, I, you know, it, it starts out where there's two ships and he enters into one of the ships. And we talked about how it, there's, to me, I began to see two covenants really being uh, represented here. Again, I mean, he shows up to these guys and says, follow me, I'll make you a fisherman. Then he chooses another one who's, who's you know, a publican and just says, follow me. But there's also two healings that take place in this, in this scripture. The first one, he shows up, there's a man that has leprosy. And he sees Jesus and he says, you know what, if you're willing... I could be healed. And Jesus says, I'm willing, 
be healed. And immediately the leprosy leaves. The dude is, I mean, uh, the, I, it, there, there is, uh, I, let, me just, let me just iterate it. He says, uh, but before, uh, but he says, don't tell nobody that you got healed. Yeah. Go show yourself to the priest and do all that's required yeah. under the law. Yeah. Because he's talking to and a those Jewish are words in red. Those are words talking, in red. They're still under the law. They're still under the law. So he says, go do everything that you're supposed to do according to the law and, 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 and present yourself to the priest. Uh, so he goes and he does, I mean, obviously the man is, is a Jewish man who has leprosy uh, because he has to go, Jesus tells him, go present yourself to the priest. Uh, a Gentile wouldn't have to do that. But he says to this man, go do this. Um under that Levitical, and so I, I was trying to figure out, you know, what all is required. Well, this man, because he was left, he had leprosy. It was for one considered a curse, and if you got that, it was considered a curse. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, you were definitely isolated, you, and so you had the isolation. You were, you were uncleaned, you, you, you couldn't touch. You had to live outside the encampment. You know, you couldn't go, and then uh, if you if you had to present yourself to the priest, the priest would have to examine whether or not you were clean. You were clean, but then there was still, I believe it was like you, even if you were declared clean, there was still seven days before you could actually enter back into society. And during that seven days, there is all kinds of things. One of the things is that he had to take uh, two tur- He had to, t- I think it was two turtle doves. Uh, and he had to kill one of the turtle doves, dip it in the blood, uh, d- dip the live one in the blood of the dead one, sprinkle it upon the guy that's got leprosy. Then the guy had to go, uh, once that uh, was done, and go and wash himself, shave all the hair off of him. Uh, you know, he's got to go then uh, to also then he's got to get a lamb, and he's got to sacrifice it for a sin offering, and it's got to be. And so there's all kinds of things, and I'm thinking, you know what? If this guy has been in isolation due to uh, his leprosy, where does he have? He's he hasn't been working. He hasn't been earning anything. He probably doesn't. He had to leave everything. He's unclean. So where does he get the turtle doves? Where does he get the lambs that he's got to offer as a sacrifice? And what the whole point of what I was seeing in that was that how much of it has become this rigmarole that the dude's already been healed. Yeah. But he's got to go through all this stuff even after Jesus has already healed him to prove to basically the society that, hey, I've been healed. Yeah. You know, and I said about how, you know, Jesus told him, don't, don't tell nobody. Go present yourself to the priest. Yet, And it says, but the fame of Jesus spread throughout the land. And I said, I guarantee you it didn't come from that guy. We always preach. I've always heard it preached that, well, you know, you obviously didn't obey Jesus because the fame of Jesus spread. I don't think it came from that guy. I think that the priest had not seen people get healed of leprosy. They probably had to go look up what all was required in order to declare this guy clean. And so they're probably having to call other scribes and Pharisees and other priests and go, hey, uh, I've got a guy here that uh, he's legit healed of leprosy, and now he's got to present himself. I, I don't know. I got Where's the context for what all we got to do for this guy? What's the formula here? What's here? the formula to get this guy back into society, you know? And yeah. so I think the fame of Jesus spread not from the guy necessarily got healed, because if you got healed and the leprosy's gone, the guy told you not to tell anybody, you're probably going to obey that. Yeah. You're going to go do what he asked you to do. I think the fame spread. The evidence of it was there. The fame spread because people knew that, probably saw that guy, and this is not. This was not something that was common. This was a rarity. Yeah. Somebody got healed of leprosy. Something happened with this guy that completely. And I thought about too. 
and I taught this, and I can't prove, I can't necessarily prove this, but um, he talks in that, there's a context in there where he talks about uh, uh, Isaiah, or not Isaiah, but he talks about the prophets Elijah and Elisha, and that there were things that happened with Elijah and Elisha. Well, uh, Elisha had a servant, and uh, this guy came, and it was a context of, uh, because Jesus teaches, and he said, and 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 uh, I think it was Luke four, and that context of of I've come to declare jubilee, I've come to declare rest, and he talks about how you know there were many lepers during the time of Elisha, but none none in Jerusalem were healed except for Naaman, I believe. Naaman, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, and this guy was not Jewish. Yeah. But in that same, I, I was so I went and looked at that story of Naaman being healed. When Naaman comes, he comes and uh, he just his he he's got a servant because it's during the time again where Jerusalem is in occupation because they have sinned. And Naaman hears from his servant that there is one in Jerusalem that's a prophet that could heal him of his leprosy, and so he goes with a bag of riches and presents it to the king of uh, of Jerusalem of her and says, you know, hey. I hear you've got somebody here that can heal me of my leprosy. The king doesn't even know the prophet because he thinks he starts complaining, going, "I think this guy's trying to start a war with me. They're trying to start something up because I, I mean, who knows? I, I can't heal this guy of leprosy. I can't do this stuff. Mm. They're trying to they're trying to trap me." <laughs> the prophet gets wind of it and he says, "Go tell that guy." He doesn't even show up. He just says, "Go tell Laman, dip yourself in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed." Naaman's offended. He says, you know what, I, 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 you know, he's mad, he's like, there's all kinds of better rivers where I come from, and you want me to dip in this river, and we've got, you know, and his servant says to him, you know what, you're mad because the prophet didn't show up, clap his hands, do a bunch of stuff, and declare you healed. So what is it to go down and dip in this river? So Naaman, you know, he gets down, he goes, dips in this river seven times, all of a sudden he's healed of leprosy. He goes back, finds the prophet, and says, there is no doubt. He said, there's no doubt. There's, there's a God here. This is the real deal. Mm-hmm. And he wants to give Elijah all his riches, you know, bless him. And Elijah says, I don't want nothing from you. It, you know, I, I don't, yeah. want, any, I don't yeah. want anything from you. Yeah. And the dude tells him, Naaman tells him, he said, well, take this. Uh, it was like, a, I think, a couple uh, donkeys and, and some stuff. And he says, go, go sacrifice that at least or, or take that as an offering for your God because when I go back to my country, there's statues there, and there's there's idol worship there, and I'm going to have to go, and I'm going to have to bow down to those statues, but my heart ain't in it anymore. And I want you to have this sacrifice or these offerings to your God to let him know that my heart is here, and it's not for these idols anymore because those idols didn't heal me. Your God did. He goes and leaves, and his servant, Elijah's servant, mm-hmm. says, uh, you know, we probably ought to get a little something from this. Yeah. So he chases down... Uh, Naaman and yeah. says, you know, just give me a couple change of clothing and, and a couple things and, you know, yeah. we'll call it even. And Naaman willingly gives it because Naaman, seriously, yeah. he's been healed. I mean, yeah. he's willing to give this this prophet and this God anything they want. Gives it to the servant. The servant comes back. Elijah knows exactly what he did and said, you know what? Because you disobeyed and you went and robbed this guy of something that was not ours, the, the, the leprosy of Naaman is going to come upon you and upon your children from every generation, mm-hmm. forever, the scripture says. I'm having to wonder is if this guy that Jesus comes in contact with, because he made that statement about there was no lepers in Jerusalem healed during the time of Elijah except for Naaman. Yeah. I have to wonder then 
if this first leper Jesus comes in contact isn't in one of the lineages of Elijah's servant. Yeah, that's very that very. Like I said, I can't prove it. I yeah. can't. I, you know, I can't find scripture for that. But Jesus makes that statement. Yeah. Just the chapter so connected before. Connected to that miracle. And connected to that miracle. That here, because here's the thing. We've heard, you know, under the old covenant again. Because I think there's a reason why he wants yeah. him to go present himself yeah. to the priest, do all the things he's supposed to do, because he's trying to show this contrast of under the old covenant, you had generational curse. Yep. Your father's sin, or your grandfather's sin, this sin comes upon you for generations. Yeah, yeah. Jesus yeah, comes I to see where you're going. Jesus under the new covenant comes to heal comes to set people free from generational curses, to set them free from uh, the sins of because it ain't about the sins of the yep. father. I've come to I've come to forgive. Yeah. You know, and so it would just to me as I was looking at that and then putting it together, it just like I said, I can't prove it. Don't know for sure that's yep. the dude. But it would just make sense yeah. that this would be the the servant of Elijah's descendant, who Jesus comes in contact with and says, yeah, yeah. "If you're willing, yeah. if you're willing, I could be healed." Yeah, because I think that servant, if it's the descendant of that servant, he would know you did it for a man named Naaman. He would have to go back and bow down to an idol after you've done he, after this God has healed him. So Jesus, if you're willing, well, I didn't do the sin. My fathers did the sin. Yeah. If you're willing, I could be healed. It would just, to me, that would just be like Jesus. Yeah. To heal the servant and then tell him, now listen, I want you to go present yourself yeah. to the priest so that they not only see, not just because I want you to go through all the rigmarole, but I also want them to see that I've come to break the curse. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've been under under the old covenant, you're under a curse. Yeah. Under the new covenant, man, you're blessed. Yeah. God is always willing to heal. And, you know, and, and I think just like Naaman was willing to go, hey, give here's an offering for your God so that when I go and bow myself down to that false idol, he knows and my heart ain't in it. Yeah. I think even for that servant to go, now go present yourself to the priest that there was something in his heart that said, man, my, whatever it takes, yeah. whatever he said, I'm yeah. going to do because I have been healed and he was willing to do yeah. that. And it shows, again, the release of an old covenant to a new covenant. Under the old covenant, you were under a curse. You could never get healed. But under a new covenant, Jesus shows up and says, I'm going to break the curse. Yep. I'm going to heal you. I'm willing. Yep. And it brings this change. And so to me, it's just this contrast of, of new and, and old covenant. Yep. yep. And I, you know, I think one of the things, too, that I was thinking while you said it is I heard somebody preach. I could be wrong about this, but the, the out of the same context there where he says the woman at, I believe it was Zarephath widow, uh, you know, gave to Jesus, and there was none that he went to accept to her, and she, he sustained her. But I think the Seraphonician woman in the New Testament that Jesus heals her one, uh, I think it's her daughter that's mm -hmm. lying sick. I'm, I'm getting my story probably confused, but actually that was the offspring of that same woman. Or she was in the lineage, mm -hmm. and Jesus remembered that. And, uh, you know, the, the Old Testament said he visited the sins of the father's third and fourth generation, but Jeremiah said, No longer will the children say, You know, the father's eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set mm -hmm. on edge, but every man will die for his own iniquity. But on Calvary's cross, Jesus said, I thirst. And he took the cup of generational curses and drank it, so we're not Absolutely. under a curse. 
thank you for joining us. We're out of time. But if you'd like to, uh, to sow into the ministry and help us right now, we really need you because we haven't been on the road much. But there's a number you can call on the screen. You can go to our website, give via PayPal or credit card, debit card, or you can write to the address that will come on the screen. Your gifts and contributions are what makes us able to continue doing this around the world. Thank you for joining us again this week. Join us again next week for the same time. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.